Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity, recorded in the pod at White City Place. I'm David Michel. There's one thing that we always take away from space, and that's an experience. Good, bad, totally neutral, their design and the way they're brought to life affect our mood, help us or hinder us move through them, and they provide amenity or perhaps feel completely useless. One of the more complex and very often poorly executed spaces is that of the transportation hub. Stations are too often sad, too rarely exciting. They are vast and yet so often do nothing for a city unless you're coming or going. In the pod today, an experienced designer and an architect debate the joys and woes of these spaces around which we build the cities and towns we live in. My name is Adam Scott. I'm the creative director and founder of Free State. Hello, I'm Hiro Asso. I'm an architect at the global practice Hustle. Hiro is an award-winning specialist in the architectural design and delivery of regenerative transportation hubs. Since the iconic Jubilee Line extension in London in the 1990s, he has been involved in a number of major railway infrastructure projects in the UK. This has included being lead program architect for the multi-award winning redevelopment of London's King's Cross Station for Network Rail, and assisting in the realization of Crossrail's Bond Street Station, which is now nearing completion. Adam is an architect, designer, and the creative force behind Free State, and has been responsible for storyboarding some of the world's greatest brands. Obsessed with the importance of putting people first, he builds experiences for some of the most exciting clients in the world, from Sony to Samsung, to Virgin Atlantic and MTV, to Melbourne Airport and the Crown Estate. Yes, so Adam, I wonder, can we start with um, a discussion around what experience master planning is about? Yes, that's a good question. My mother is very concerned by that. After all, so I trained as an architect, but actually everything we do in the world of experience master planning is we think about the world, whatever it might be, through the lens of thinking about the experience first. So whether we're working with brand builders or place makers or city makers, we start with that as the strategic foundation. We think about who the people are, what they want to be doing, and then we then align all the many, many channels around that thought. And those channels might be architecture or technology or marketing or whatever it is, but it always falls back to the end user and how we make a more valuable end product on their terms. Well, of course, that's really fascinating because I guess as an architect, it's something that we are hearing a lot more about these days. And yet, perhaps it hasn't been part of our training. And looking at my career personally, I recognize the focus on perhaps objects or buildings in education then that shifting towards perhaps the importance of the spaces in between buildings. And there's a sort of a gap that then, what do you do next? What do you worry about next? Mm. So the experience piece is uh, is a fascinating uh, area that perhaps we should, as as professionals, should be promoting as uh, a point of education. Yeah, I agree. I, I think actually, you know, architects, you know, when they're in college, are ever so good at thinking about the end user and all the many things that could happen, whether it's the lighting or sound or space or hosting or technology. But then as time goes on, they get ever more lost in their silo and it becomes mainly a story about, yeah, how you transform the object rather than your care for the subject, you know, the individual. 
And I think also I would one thing I sort of hold you up on there too is that you know you said it's a thing that we should think about you know afterwards or we should think about you know as part of it. But I think fundamentally what I'm talking about is it should be the foundation. You know I think we need to try and get the profession thinking more strategically about you know the client and the audience. And to use that to drive the whole process rather than a small amount of investigation at the beginning and then everybody gets their pens out and reverts back to type. You know, I think that's where it often goes wrong. Do you see where experienced master planning could have, a, could have the biggest impact in what we see around us in the built environment? Yeah. Well, in some ways, this might come back to the... the you know, what you do, because I think, you know, I, I did a lecture not long ago, and it was all about, um, it was all about sort of the history of thinking about the experience. And it began in a shaman, well, in a shaman's cave 30,000 years ago. And I was interested in the fact that we've always created designed experiences, we've always used that type to inspire meaning and memory in our audience, whether it's the shaman in his or her cave or a thousand years ago, you know, it's the, you know, the first great cathedrals or it's Walt Disney in 1957. The experience has always been fundamental. The liturgy, the word, the message has been fundamental. And so, but in some ways, if I think about the world's shittest experiences in the built environment, you've got to say that stations are way up there. So to you... Why are you fascinated by stations, Hero? Well, of course, there, there's uh, an opportunity to improve that condition. That always is a, is a helpful prompt. Um, and increasingly, it's unforgivable that we end up with these not-so-great places yes. around us when land is short, especially as urbanisation intensifies and we're scrabbling about for good places, that we somehow allow these... Um, infrastructural sites yeah. to be sub-optimal. Yes. You know, we somehow allow them to, it's okay. You know, don't worry, it's a little bit dirty and grotty because it's a station. I mean, yes. that just shouldn't be allowed anymore. Yes. So I'm interested in seeing how that can be changed and gradually things are changing and there are some world exemplars out there. But there's a heck of a lot still that is unacceptable and indeed, if new facilities are being planned and designed for the future, yeah. well, we've got to ensure that they never fall into the same traps. Yes. Uh, again, I have thought about why stations tended to be rather grotty spaces, yeah. either by design or by accident. And I don't know. Maybe it's because it's an area where perhaps engineering or civil engineering uh, imperatives have somehow made people less sensitive to things like pleasure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a there's been a focus on equations and dealing with formula mm. that missed out experience. Yeah. And um for me I haven't really thought about experience um in my career. I've thought about emotions and how people might feel in certain spaces, places in these stations. So I have referred to in the past as um, theatres of emotions. That's what stations mm, are. Yeah. And I've been thinking about why I feel that way. Well, it's for me personally, it's where somehow it's a sad space. And I've been thinking, why do I think it's sad space? Shouldn't, shouldn't I be excited to be in a station? Yeah. You know, what happens to all the drama and the emotions that went with 
the ex excitement of traveling, you yeah. know. Um, but for me, the thing that endures is, is a sense of sadness. Yeah. And I thought about it a little bit. Am I just a very um, uh, sad romantic or something? And maybe it's because when people are arriving mm. at a station, you're whisked away on that journey yeah. to something else. Because stations can be very effective as portals to yes. take somebody and to deposit uh, them onto another channel. Yeah. Whereas when you're departing from a station, that's when you spend time. And maybe that's when you spend time with your loved ones. Mm. You spend time about when you might next see them. Yeah. You reflect on the, the fun that you had or the arguments that you had with your dad, whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's a moment of pondering. Yeah. And maybe that's why I feel personally it's a moment of perhaps sadness because it's a it's uh, the thing that's about departing and leaving mm. your loved ones mm. that's stuck in my mind. Yeah. And then that sort of made me think about, so from my own personal perspective, maybe there's something to be said about the balance of people spending time in the station environment or interchange environment yeah. versus maybe the time that they don't spend because they've been whisked yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. That's something that's uh, quite interesting to think about. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's get into that because I think the one thing I note from the transport projects we've been doing and some together, whether it's been airports or stations, I think, you know, so often these are places that have been designed for convenience. They're designed for throughput. They're designed to be efficient and effective. They, they treat us like data and they pour us down large pipes, don't they? In a way that, you know, if we linger, if we stop, if we have pleasure, seems to be often counter to the diagram. So I'm interested in what you think about, you know, if you designed a station for retention, if you designed an airport for pleasure, if you designed a, a, you know, a station that was there yeah, to inspire our dwell time, how might it be different? I think it would be so different that it's actually quite difficult for a lot of people to, to gauge. And I think for, for us, it's our responsibility to try and articulate what the opportunities might be as mm -hmm. designers. And I include engineers as designers, you know. Um, also, I want to of sort of touch on this um, issue about... Um, engineers and designers being or engineers and architects being different because yeah. architects are, and architectural people are designers whereas engineers aren't of course that's a complete and utter nonsense yeah. we're all trying to create something for the future and therefore we're both designers um, but in the realm of designing stations the massive problem i think we all have is the r lack of understanding that what that's doing is challenging the dna of stations. Yeah. Stations have been designed exactly as you say, Adam, to maximize throughput, to be efficient. Um, having said that, if you pass through King's Cross Station, the underground system, you think that that's far from efficient or yeah. uh, quick. But um, putting that to one side, it is. It has been designed. I mean, if you look at design codes, yeah. you know these um, these things that often we we reach out to when we are looking for inspiration or guidance. The uh, standards all talk about how many people you can have in a square meterage and how quickly you can push people through a corridor space. Mm. It's about throughput. And what you're talking about, Adam, is about holding people. It's not mm. about throughput. It's, as you say, it's retention. Yeah. That is such a fundamental shift in thinking that mm. I think, well, I certainly 
have enjoyed uh, discussing the opportunities with you, Alan, because that's the massive gap that I see yeah. out there. I think, I mean, what I'm interested in is rather than, I mean, you and I talk about this a lot, but rather than it being either or, rather than this extraordinary naivety of what, trying to slow people down and then the idea that, of course, some people need to move at great speed. I think it, it should be both and. I mean, the, the airports we're looking at at the moment, they, they begin with a principle of recognition. So we recognize that this, you know, you know, you have your staff, your technology, your architecture, everything is there to recognize and understand that this, you know, old lady might need a little bit, a little hand. This football team might need to move all together. And these business travelers, they want to move at great speed. And once we understand that, then we can help them flow and they'll flow on their terms. And I think once you've got those two things right, recognition and flow, then you can give people choice. And the choice might be to shop, it might be to, to linger, it might be to have a meeting, it might be to have a moment of calm with no technology. And I think if we start thinking about the world through those kind of principles, I think we're going to create far more sophisticated experiences and more sophisticated environments. But fundamentally, we need everybody to work together. It won't just be architects, it's going to be technologists and developers and, you know, the, the commissioning agents. Everybody's got to be part of this kind of vision, I would say completely uh, you're touching on a definition of what a station environment also is to me which is that it's a an utterly democratic space mm. it's a it's democracy in action so what is that it's about giving choice to our people yeah, yeah. i don't want to get pulled into the american uh, electoral system but um you know one could say that about republicanism it's yeah. about you know giving ultimately the choice to the people that's where these two words come from in terms of definition yeah. and I th that's why i love particularly the station environment, um, because you can, actually, you can actually see it in action where people can access it, yeah. regardless of your background. Yeah. Whether you have, in fact, a ticket or not, you can enter yeah. a station environment. It's part of the high street. Yeah. And so a project I've been involved with historically, King's Cross Station, that's one where uh, an increasing proportion of people within the station campus aren't actually traveling on the national railway system. Yeah. They are there to enjoy their croissants, their coffees, their moments with their loved ones. Yeah. Because it's so well connected, uh, perhaps it, because it's so easy. And the, the figures are quite extraordinary, aren't they, in terms of the, the percentage of people that are in King's Cross not right. to travel. One in five, uh, increasingly one in four at times. That's a huge proportion of people who are actually inside a station, not yeah. to do with travelling on the railway system. Yeah, yeah. They may come from the high street um, that the station's on, it may come from developments new and old, mm. from the education facilities. It's an extraordinary assemblage of people from very different backgrounds, which is also this wonderful nature of urban interchanges. That yeah. You have uh, very different people coming together, uh, hopefully in a way, for very, very different reasons. Yeah. You're listening to Thought Starters, recorded in the pod at White City Place. In conversation are Adam Scott of Free State and Hiro Asso of architecture practice Hassel Studio. I mean, I think some of what we're talking about here is, is getting those beautiful basics right and raising the game on a type that is, um, yeah, is maybe not up for... I suppose the, the, the sort of the, the, the demands of of choice 
and an experience that really connects with the individuals. But if we go beyond the basics and imagine it as a landmark experience, something that was an inspiration, tell me a little bit about how this might relate to the city. Because I think ideally, you know, these these nodes, rather than thinking them just as a as a point of transition, but there as a catalyst for, you know, a, a more yeah, socially adept piece of city. I wonder how they could grow into that. And I wonder if you've seen good examples of that. It's, for me, also about the ability to create these spaces in our built environment where there is um, more of an excuse to get together, to have these face-to-face moments. When technology is rushing forward and we are able to not just communicate but even design from you know, different ends of the world, when it's becoming so easy to interact uh, remotely, maybe it almost heightens the value of the face-to-face right. to, to get together. Yeah. And where can we do that? Well, you can do that in all sorts of locations. But in a way, a civic answer might be making the use of these facilities where people are having to crisscross. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, theatre of serendipity. Yeah. That's almost what a station by, by well, default is. Well, you're so right. I mean, I think what is so missing, I mean, we're doing some projects in Silicon Valley at the moment, and it's so miserable watching everybody coming in by car, parking in these mega car parks, and never having any op- opportunity to bump into it one another. No places that are adjacent to that where I can have a chance encounter, and then I can bounce into a cafe or a restaurant or have an incidental, unplanned moment. And I think what you're talking about there is, is, is the agora, isn't it? It's the ancient marketplace which was always a point of many nodes coming together. And then because that was the best place to meet, we would then, you know, things cultural, things social, things financial would grow from that beginning. And so, you know, it's no coincidence, I think, that we're talking here about social and financial transactions. We're talking about the idea that by better bringing people together on their terms, they're more likely to want to spend time. And that's better for everybody. And I think, you know, we need to... I think we need to work to that. But I suppose fundamentally, it won't be the architects or the experienced master planners that are going to sort this out. We need a vision for these places. We need, I mean, you were talking about a campus. It's almost like a manifesto for the transport campus that is at the highest level, whether it's Transport for London, Network Rail, London and Continental Railways. And then they then can use that to inspire a team and align a team, not just to day one to get it built, but then today ten thousand and one to program it and operate it and make sure it gets better with time. And That's what we want. Exactly, and, and their role in role in society. Well, perhaps um, as you were talking, Adam, I just remembered one of the one of my favourite moments um, in a film. Um, Crocodile Dundee, when he's... Um, which is a classic. Which is a classic. And uh, you know that moment when he's uh, saying hello to everybody in the city? <laughs> and of course, that's kind of almost a silly, you know, caricature. However, what it does say is we need a counter. We need a counter to the, the, the lifestyle that we uh, either by choice or uh, because we have to, we are living where we don't say hello to you know, our neighbours. We, we never say hello to who we might sit next to in the tube. And that sort of social, you know, lack of interaction, um, I think it's something that we ought to be perhaps tackling. 
And so, you know, if we can create these moments of joy, um, perhaps sometimes it's not necessarily joy, but interaction between humans at transport hubs, and that could then promote uh, an increased sense of maybe mutual awareness in the wider urban city context, perhaps that's something that... um, that we will realise as being of you know huge yeah. value, not just potential value, yeah. huge real value. And talking about value, I mean, it's ever so easy to measure. That if we take inspiration from the other types of campuses, whether it's the university campus that looks at national student surveys, student satisfaction ratings, or we look at the the corporate campus in terms of you know how they look at attraction and retention, you know, fundamentally these measures asking your audience what attracts them, what gets them involved, what creates a sense of belonging, if these were the measures, rather measures of efficiency and speed, right, you know, they were measures of joy, essentially, I think we would create far better transport campuses. And maybe even economy, you know, I, I think people have uh, done some research that says a happier uh, bunch of commuters yeah. may uh, support a better economy. Well, yeah. I'm not sure whether it's uh, unfortunately true to take that in the reverse sort of logic, but um, you know, if 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 indeed we are um, able to affect the well-being of our community uh, through actually both commuters and the people who may be able to enjoy these campuses, and of course the the, the thing about the King's Cross area is that it's a number of things coming together. Yeah. It's uh, not just a, a transport campus, mm. it's an educational campus, That's it's right. also residential yeah. and a workplace. Yeah. And there's this amazing overlay of, um, you know, I suppose those aspects, which um, perhaps give it um, a heightened importance to get it right. Yeah. And I wonder, do you think, do you think they've got it right? Yeah, well, I think they're, they're, they're the best in show of the moment, I think what I'd like to see more is I'd like to see much more curation. I'd like to see that, you know, the thing is, the audience is constantly changing. And it's not okay to have one retail offer that was, you know, originated 10 years ago. And then you follow it through because of your long lease agreements. I want to see more churn. I want to see more programming. I want to see more curating. I want to see this done more intentionally. And I want to see it done through a lens that isn't just retail. I'm interested in what the services, the amenities, the event spaces, the live moments. I want to see what that's possible so that we're not just judging people by whether they spend money. We're also interested in how they might spend time. And I think a more sophisticated idea of programming, of curation, of mix of use is desperately needed in places like this. Can I touch on convenience? Yes. As a designer of a number of transport interchanges, Mm. it's one that continues to challenge me because depending on where I am in terms of seeking and experiencing examples – there are almost two polar opposite ways where you can deal with convenience. One that leads to commonality, maybe even vulgar, trashness, because it's all grab and go. And perhaps it's because it's about throwaway time. And then the other side, where you have actually the ability to create and justify spaces that's about comfort and maybe even luxury, yeah. and it's definitely about 
you know, better time spent. Well, if we think about the places where we opt in, um, whether it is, you know, whether whether it's a place we want to shop or a place we want to go on holiday or a place we want to go out for dinner, maybe let's take the restaurant as an example. I think if you really want to spend time there and money there, you don't want a... um, you don't want an experience that is the necessarily the convenient one always. You don't want to be the the commodified experience. You don't want the top-down, one-size-fits-all. In that case, you probably want something that's a bit personal, a bit unique, a bit individual. You want an experience that really cares about you. And I'd say that in terms of the diagram of convenience versus personalization, I think we, we need we need both because sometimes we do need something quick and ever so convenient. But sometimes what we want there is something where we can spend a bit of time and it's a bit more on our terms. And I think we just need to start programming these places in a way that can be both and. That's all I'm asking for, rather than treating everybody as if they're in a terrible rush. And I think particularly when we look at the land holdings around these transport hubs, you know, it's not just about the spaces and places and experiences where we need to move at great speed and have the most efficient flow. There are other eddies beyond that where we want, might want to slow down. We want to have something more personal that can riff and change with time. And I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about sometimes it's a fast flowing river and sometimes there are eddies of experience and we've got to have both. Perhaps also that should be reflected in the, the type of offer that's available. You know, we've heard so many times, don't we, that... Uh, a number of high streets are um, just identical. You know, you have the same offer, you That's have right. the same change, you have the same thing, and the experience is therefore very, very dull. Yeah. Whereas perhaps those high streets which are enjoying a, a moment is where there's a sense of local authenticity, yeah. there's the uh, support of the independent, which can talk about, yeah, what, what's genuine of that locality. Yeah. And I think um, both uh, high streets and stations, any of these, these campuses, absolutely have an opportunity to tap into that, don't they? Yeah. Otherwise, we will end up with sort of vanilla everywhere. And you know what, well, I remember a conversation with a chief engineer of High Speed 2 uh, in Tokyo, of all places, and I was sort of joking at him when I said... Um, You know, what, 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 is there really anything that we can learn from the Japanese, the uh, the bullet train system? Really, um, it's it's pretty sort of shoddy these station environments, aren't they? Right. And his response was, well, actually, you know, there are things that we can definitely learn that the convenience factor is extraordinary because one might say it's a little bit boring, but people are. People seem to be happy mm. that there is a, a very uh, convenient offer in these facilities. Yeah. But I think you'd recognize that every single station being so similar was an issue that perhaps we couldn't necessarily take as a best lesson um, example to take uh, back back to the UK. Yeah. Uh, so I think the opportunity to leverage the, the local you know, authenticity yeah. through... And mixing that with convenience, you know, at the sort of very diverse range that that word might hit, I think definitely is an opportunity. Well, yeah, I mean, mean, going back to what you said earlier about the the theatre of arrival and departure, I mean, you know, surely this is your gateway to a city. If that isn't a place to be local and independent and authentic, I don't know what is. And I think, you know, we talk more and more about the branding of cities and how cities need to better dine out to attract people, you know, to to want to live there, to play there, to work there. You know, therefore, let's understand what attracts people and gets them involved 
on the terms of that city. And this is a place of celebration of those moments. I think if you designed an, air, a, an airport or a station more as if it was a narrative journey and understood the critical peaks and ends of arrival and departure and celebrated those. So, for instance, and this isn't crazy talk, Auckland Airport is famous for its point of arrival, the way they greet you, they celebrate you, they sing to you. Or Munich Airport, with its farmers, markets and surf shows in the piazza, giving reason to come two hours earlier, not because they've been told to or lied to, and then they're going to be pushed through world duty-free for an hour and a half. They, become, they go because they want to. Or Chang is a great example of understanding that narrative journey. So I suppose this isn't so much a question, but I'm just reminding you that I think if we did design these places as if we, they were a narrative journey and we loved the arrival departure, I think they'd be totally different. But where might you begin with that? Well, I guess we would probably go back to that definition about what a station is and how it's laid out. The, um, there's some language changes that's needed there too. So in station design, it's often that we use um, words from, it must be from uh, food and beverage, front of house and back of house. Yeah. And the problem with that is that there is this sort of sense that oh, here's the bit that we want to you know, share and here are the bits that we don't need to worry about. Yeah. Those are the moments we've got to be really careful. You know, yeah. When we start yeah. creating places which are you know, a bit kind of dirty, a bit on the side, that those spaces mushroom. Yeah. And so in a way, what I'm sort of suggesting there is that we have to challenge this notion of um, stations as um, proscenium. You know, we, we've got to make sure that we are able to create something that doesn't have a backside to it mm. because I think those are the areas where we have real, real problems and make sure that it's all front of house, mm. that we're able to look 360 degrees around this little hub mm. that, that, through that, uh, we can reach out to, you know, those moments of local authenticity. Mm. And, um, you know, it does worry me, though, sometimes that they, there is a, a tendency to be superficial in the way these facilities, maybe even airports, yeah. pretend to reflect the local That's right. narrative. Um, but maybe it's better than not having that. Yeah. Well, I think architects always get fearful of theming, but let's face it, everything is a theme at some level. And I think, you know, it's to what extent it connects with your audience. And I think as long as you're always asking your audience rather than it's a thing, you know, I, we, we once worked with, so my background, even though it's architecture, you know, brand experiences, live events, or rock and roll shows was where we came from. And there was a wonderful chap who was called, he's called Morris Lider, and he was a producer for Pink Floyd, and he was a tour manager for Genesis, and he really knew about audience. And he used to talk about dollars per clap. And I really like that as a measure <laughs> because fundamentally it's like however you spend your money, whether it's on a show or the band or the light or the sound or the set, and bearing in mind this guy did all those mega Pink Floyd shows, what he really understood was if it doesn't connect with the audience, if they don't get it, if they do not clap, it is all for naught. And I think in some ways we need to have those kind of measures for our stations and our airports. I want to know more about what the audience want. I want us to constantly be asking asking them and then going beyond. And I think if we treat it more like, you know, almost like an art center, you know, we need more money on OPEX. We need more curators, more stage managers. I want more people on the ground understanding what's resonating. And in that way, we're going to make better experiences without doubt.
So, Adam, when we've spoken before, I have really enjoyed the approach with experience master planning as being an underlay as opposed to something you plug in at the end, you know, an overlay at best. Uh, but the reality is we have um, lots of environments, uh, city, urban, semi-rural, that exist and there is a buzz, there is a momentum, there is life there that we've got to be careful not to disrupt too much. So what's the sort of best way to ensure that we have maximum effort in applying you know, your wonderful approach to making sure that there is a, a strong experiential foundation to the way we allow these spaces or support these spaces to grow without having to you know, chuck everything out and to start afresh because obviously that might be great in an ideal world, but the reality is and certainly in a, an operational environment like the railways, that's something my clients will find very difficult to uh, or very be find, find it very scary to um, to adopt. Yeah. So no, I, I I get that in terms of those you know a more iterative approach. So I suppose I'd say that there might be three ways that you look at that. I think the first thing is by taking time to think about the program, and I mean the daily program, the cycle of who's moving through, what the numbers are, what the demographic and the psychographic is. So I'm interested in who's coming through, what they're after, what, how they want to spend their time, and how that changes across a day and across a week and across a season. And I think as soon as you know that, then as soon as you've got a vacant site, or as soon as maybe a marketing agency is saying that they want to do something on your forecourt, you're in a much better position to think about what would best fit with your audience and what would not. And I think that's the most important thing. So even if you just spend a very small amount of money on a very small space with a very small amount of time, you're much more intentional because you've thought about the program and movement of your audience. And I think that's what Argent did ever so well in King's Cross. I think, you know, even though they weren't building huge buildings at the time, they were thinking about the small things, whether it was a bit of theatre here or a little bit of a market there or a change of a shop there. And with each pivot, each move, it resonated with the audience. And I'd say in order to do that, so that very program-led approach, then you need a team that is not so much the sort of facilities management, but experience management, not people who are there to just maintain the same steady state every day. But there's some people there that are looking to make it better, looking to grow it, looking to improve it. Now, obviously, this is a lot to do with activation. But I think based on those principles, you're in a better position to then think about when you are going to spend some large amounts of money, you can do it in a way that's through the lens of experience rather than necessarily business as usual. And I think that's the critical way to differentiate and better connect with your audience. And I think they'll love you for it, fundamentally. Brilliant. That was a conversation between Adam Scott of Free State and Hiro Asso of Architecture Practice Hassel Studio. This has been Thought Starters, recorded in the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a DNN co project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded and edited by Sean Crook. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com, on Twitter or Instagram with the handle at White City Place, or shoot us an email at podcast at whitecityplace.com. And subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes. Give us a rating and write us a comment. It really helps. Thought Starters.